0: Hi, everyone, and welcome to Oliver Wyman's Reinventing Insurance podcast. I'm your host, Paul Ricard. Today, I am welcoming Dr. Amy lassiter Willie. Amy is the Director of Human Insights at Oliver Wyman. And together, we're going to discuss some of her learnings working with insurers and their customers. Welcome, Amy.
1: Hi, thanks for having me.
0: So Amy, maybe for starters, can you briefly introduce yourself and share a little bit about your background?
1: I am the the Director of Human Insights at Oliver Wyman, which I think is uh, one of the greatest titles that anyone can possibly have. I came to Oliver Wyman by way of an anthropology PhD and then a background in market research where I worked in pretty much every industry that there is from media to chainsaw chains to uh, food and things like that. Now at uh, at Oliver Wyman, I do a lot of work in financial services, which I absolutely love because it is an industry that is full of human insights. So I essentially am the person that people come to whenever they are interested in bringing a little more of the human into their projects. Uh, I, I get to work with a fantastic group of people, and we work together to help people do everything from get to understand their consumers a little better to uh, actually create entire new businesses, starting, starting from the ground up with, with insights about what their consumers want and, and how they can help them better.
0: Great. So let's dive right in. First off, I'm curious to, to get your view on what human insights actually are. So can you tell us a bit more about that and also why this is so important? for our insurance friends to worry about this and and to dig into it.
1: Yeah. So I come to human insights from anthropological perspective. And I would say anthropologists are all about taking things that seem ordinary or obvious in the world and trying to figure out what makes them so meaningful to people. So for instance, my uh, anthropology PhD was about culinary schools. And when people hear that, they think, oh, well, you must have just learned how to cook and that's it. But actually, the whole point was that when you have food or you're learning how to make food. It's all about how it is that, that people want to present themselves to the world, like what what it means to say that you have one kind of food that you're preparing versus another or what it means to prepare food in a certain way. And all of the stuff that I do at, at Oliver Wyman is is the same way. If you look at money or going to an ATM versus uh, talking to a, a person in a bank, or if you if you think about insurance, it's all What is it that gives these decisions meaning to people? When they're making these decisions, are they um, thinking about being a good person because they're saving money or being a good person because they're providing for their children in the future? It's never just a decision about some object. It's always beyond the obvious into these these very deep emotional and and social reasons for, for doing what they do. Ideally, what happens in the human insights discipline is that you uncover things about the way that, that people are interacting with a product that ultimately make things better for everybody because the client gets more, um, more business and then the, the consumers are able to get more of what they want out of the products and services that they use.
0: Can we talk through a few of your of your biggest ahas from from working with insurers uh, when it came to human insights through the years, and I'm particularly interested, of course, in in what you found surprising, what your clients fa- found surprising.
1: I'll start by saying that insurance is one of my favorite industries to work in because people, I think that, people that was
0: not that was not rehearsed, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: no, it truly is. What is really lovely about insurance is that there's there's so much bound up in it at almost every level that is is super emotional. So if you're talking about a person buying insurance, obviously there's that whole aspect of providing for loved ones or feeling like you're, you're doing something that's making you like a good and responsible person for buying the insurance. If you're talking about a small business owner, it's sort of like the individual, but magnified because the business um, often is sort of part of their aspirations for themselves and uh, and they have to provide for other people. And so you get these <clears throat> very interesting moments where, where they say like, okay, well, I got to this point where I've hired some people and now I have to do the right thing financially and then also to provide for them. And there are all these wonderful calculations about what it means to be a good boss or a good provider. So you find these, these situations in which you've got like benefits managers or HR representatives who are making decisions that are going to impact a lot of other people. And they're sort of stuck in the middle of all of these different forces.
0: You're not just talking to, let's say, the the end consumer, right? You're also talking to eventually the people who are going to be the decision makers or are going to be key in the decision making process. Let's say in that case, I'm assuming you're talking about something like commercial insurance or or group benefits. And so understanding these people's needs and their particular situations and zeroing on this is critical to to providing the best type of services and solutions. Is that what you're what you're basically saying?
1: It's exactly right. One of one of my favorite examples was when we were doing a project for a mid-market an insurance company. And so they, they came to us and they said, you know, we, we really want to make sure that the claims process of what we're providing is differentiated. We want to make sure that it is a great claims process. And we think that that's going to help us get more business. But the client that we had was pretty certain that the way that they were going to be able to differentiate themselves was by saying, we have this sort of startup-like mentality where we have lots of good technology that's going to make the mm-hmm. process faster. And we said, okay, let's find out if that resonates with people. So we put together some focus groups back when you could actually get people all in the same room. So we had all those. <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) like six or eight people in a room and we were talking to them about what what they didn't like about the claims process, which was about what we had expected. And then we asked them what they would like. And it turned out that technology was not really a huge factor. It was actually that they wanted the human touch. They wanted to feel like there was a human being on the other end of the process. And technology could make that happen, but -hmm. that wasn't the focus for them. The focus was being able to have somebody who cared that they were talking to.
0: Oftentimes, technology, data, analytics is oftentimes thought of as the answer. And from what you're saying, it's more, this is the enabler, but you need to figure out what the answer is that technology or data is actually going to enable. So that's interesting. And in particular, I'm also curious if you have anecdotes or insights on the individual and the end consumer side as well, because the old saying is that insurance is is sold and not bought. And if we exclude the regulatory mandated products, nobody wakes up thinking I'm going to buy insurance today.
1: Yeah, I think this is a, a huge issue. So I will say that in the last, probably the last year and a half, I have talked to just hundreds of consumers about both insurance and I would say fi- financial, their financial lives in general, usually individual interview settings. And so I've heard a lot of mm-hmm. stories about why it is that people end up Buying particular products and what's on their mind. What I think is really interesting is that I would have thought that COVID would be something that would inspire people to do that, like it would be that triggering instance. And yeah. yet, in the last you know year and a half that I've been talking to people, you don't actually I don't actually hear that much about COVID being that kind of trigger. And we've been running this longitudinal survey at Oliver Wyman. Um, about how people are reacting to COVID. And when you look at what how people are reacting in terms of insurance products, what you actually see is this pattern of a lot of people considering purchasing life insurance or changing their life insurance or changing their will. Um, and some people do it, but doing nothing, which is one of the options in the survey is also a very popular option. <laughs> like I just did nothing. <laughs> um, and so so that, that sort of like triggering moment turns out to be a, a really hard thing to predict or to create for people. So I, I suspect actually that the, the way to get around this is, is to like, like, make sure that you're there when that happens.
0: It's not actually people never wake up and think about buying insurance. They they do sometimes wake up and think about it, but they just don't act on it. And and it's a matter of. Actually, being there at the right place at the right time when they think about it, or when there is the right trigger to actually support them in the right way. And so, more broadly, you were mentioning uh, obviously, you know, in in the wake of COVID nineteen, and you, you mentioned all the all the work and and the, and the the survey that has been going on uh, that, that Oliver Whiteman has been running uh, around this. Uh, what are some of the insights that you've gleaned there? How have human behaviors or human needs changed? Are there any things that that you found particularly surprising or not surprising in the wake of the pandemic?
1: Yeah, I, so I think one of the things that surprised me at the beginning, and I say this as somebody who was living in New York when it, when it hit, and of course everybody <laughs> thought, oh my gosh, this is changing everything. The more things change, the more things stay the same, um, or things sort of move back to being the same in some ways. So some behaviors do seem like they're going back to normal. Um, the thing that mm-hmm. I think is, is relevant for insurance Especially is that we've recently, um, a group of colleagues that I've been working with have been looking to see how much um, sort of a shift to digital purchasing behaviors uh, has, has been, first of all, occurring in different industries, but then how much it's been sticking. Mm-hmm. Um, and there is somewhere, as you can imagine, there's been a huge shift to digital and a huge shift to wanting to stay that way. But of all the industries that our colleagues are looking at, insurance is the one that seems the least sticky for the, the digital uh, shift.
0: Any insights or, or perspectives on why that is?
1: I think it goes back to the, the same thing we were talking about, that there's so much of an emphasis on the need to feel like there's a person involved in insurance.
0: Personal, relatable aspect is important. How do insurers come to you and do they usually know that they, uh, they need to, to look deeper into, into these human insights?
1: By the time someone gets to me, I think they, they already have some sense of the idea that they they want human insights. I think there's often a desire to get to know people better. Um, mm-hmm. What is often the case is the insurers that I talk to are not totally sure how they want to do it. Are you going to run a survey or are you going to do mm-hmm. a focus group? Or are you going to talk to people? Or are you going to use a jobs to be done methodology that right. we, we do with uh, Teddy Hall? The way that we do it just depends on the circumstance. So do you mm-hmm. do you need a, a large amount of quantitative data in order to understand this? Do you want really deep, nuanced interviews in order to to uncover initial insights that will help you sort of feed that. Often we do a combination of
0: of both. And is this more of a, do you see this more as a, okay, we need to do this. We need to pursue this initiative or we need to figure out how to crack, how we design or sell this product. Do you see this more as a one-off starting exercise or this is this more of a of a repeated exercise
1: so ideally what you would do if you um if you were trying to create a, a new venture or if you were trying to develop a value proposition or if even if you're just trying to um to look at uh, how something that you're currently doing is working. So how is how right. are people receiving your claims process? Or or this is this is a real example. Like how um, how is it that we could partner with different companies to get the word out about our our product? At each of those phases, you you can bring in research with consumers to get a, a much better sense of what's going on. I would say ideally, what what would happen is that. An insurer would, if they have a you know a, a thorny problem like how is it that we can best differentiate ourselves or what is it that our we have a new business what is our value proposition? You would want to start out with with really deep customer insights, and by customer I mean you know, the end consumer, and then also if there are, are relevant intermediaries in, along the process, you would interview them, so you get a really deep sense of what what they all need, and then you you dip in from time to time to make sure that you're delivering on that, um, and it right. becomes. Even more important if what you're doing is you're building something from scratch. And so then what you want to do is iterate and and test and learn.
0: And digging into this, right, because I can see a risk or or a big challenge where, you know, you you, you almost always go back to the well on a regular basis and you, you almost get stuck into research paralysis. What I'm hearing you saying is there's an element of putting something out there. Seeing if it sticks and and iterating from them, like prototyping whatever you're doing into existence rather than continuing to expand and and, and refine and, and iterate on your research.
1: Yeah, there's there's a happy medium where you say, okay, I've learned what I need to know for now. I'm going to put something out there and then see how it how it goes. And just don't worry that it's not the exact final version. You can always back and change.
0: Yeah. And that's something that we discussed with Michael Keeney, where there's an element of when you talk about de-risking a venture, or that could apply to an initiative as well, part of it involves figuring out what risks or, you know, what, what type of risks you're willing to take and to what extent. It's been great hearing about your journey. I'm curious if you have any, any final thoughts or, or words of wisdom for our audience before we wrap.
1: I had to leave words of wisdom for anybody. Uh, I think anybody, I would, I would say this too, um, is that uh, just because you are a person doesn't mean that you know all people. The thing that I find endlessly fascinating about this job and the thing that keeps me doing hundreds of interviews is that every one of them is, is different and tells you something new and fascinating about the human experience. As the world changes, people change too. The sort of underlying needs for Find different ways of sort of, of bubbling up and to give them something that they can uh, they can really use and, and that will make their lives better.
0: Right. Well, terrific. Thank you so much, Amy, for your time. That was absolutely fascinating. That was Dr. Amy Laster-Willi, who is the Director of Human Insights at Oliver Wyman. For more information about our Reinventing Insurance series, you can find everything on our website at oliverwyman.com slash insurance. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next time.